Namaskar and welcome to NFL Masala. I'm your co-host, Sanat. And I'm your other co-host, Rakshak. Welcome to episode number 44 of NFL Masala, where we talk about all the latest happenings in the NFL with a little bit of spice. Alrighty, so today we are going to be talking about some events that happened in the NFL as the Makadar News. And then we're going to do a breakdown of the NFC South Division after last week's episode where we broke down the NFC North Division with the guests. This time we're doing the NFC South. So first, we'll get started with some Tamakadar news. First off, DeAndre Hopkins has visited the New England Patriots. Oh, um, ominous. Yeah, I know. He's a free agent wide receiver. They need a they need a strong number one wide receiver to make themselves a competitive passing team um, and to just give them an overall boost for... Um, you know, for market value as well, because this past year they were kind of in the shadows of all these other AFC teams. You had obviously you had the Chiefs and you had the Bengals. You also had the Bills and the Dolphins from their own division. Now you have the Jets who just got Aaron Rodgers. So if they can get DeAndre Hopkins, they can really make a strong competitive push in that division and maybe even have four, all four teams from that division going into the playoffs. I mean, it's possible, but they would have to be really, really strong, and other AFC teams would have to be pretty weak. So I think this is a good move. They need, like I mentioned, they need a strong number one receiver, and, you know, so both sides are now expected to take some time to assess their next steps, is what a a source said to ESPN. Um, he said Hopkins has said that he's not in a rush to sign with the team and he's considered until, you know, training camp in July to actually make a move. So we'll see how this goes uh, forward. Um, you know, Bill Belichick is also one of the most influential pieces in that locker room who would have, uh, you know, said either yes or no to DeAndre Hopkins coming in. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. What do you think? I think uh, um, it's I, right now the league with DeAndre Hopkins being cut by the Cardinals. This I think this puts him in a in a position where he's where like right now like teams are trying to evaluate what they could what, do. They really need him? Do they not? But then again, if you remember back to when he had that one podcast, he wanted to be with top play. Like he had like the Bills, the Chiefs, the Eagles, and he. I remember he had like that list of like top QBs that he wanted to play with. Mm-hmm. Him going to the Patriots, it'll be a very interesting position because think about it: Bill O'Brien is back as your offensive coordinator, not Joe Judge nor Matt Patricia. <laughs> mm-hmm. But plus, would he really play with Bill O'Brien because? Bill O'Brien was a guy that you know, oh, kicked right. him out of the Houston He Texans. was the one that traded him. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my if they're like I mean, I mean, think about it. If DeAndre Hopkins go um enter um joins the Patriots, him Matt, and Corvette Corvette. And I don't know who else is or who else is on the Patriots, but that's really gonna help Mac, Mac Jones evolve as a passer or Bailey Zappi. I, I just want to see. I'm just in for, in it for the drama. Hell, and I and I'm gonna say this. 
as a disclaimer, Eagles fans, take all the hopes that you have about trying to get DeAndre Hopkins. It's not going to work. It is not going to work. Do you want to know why, Anand? I don't Go ahead. I don't think we have enough salary cap. I believe the Eagles are like have like 13 million in salary cap. DeAndre Hopkins is going to be for a one-year bonus as a mat. And then secondly, Eagles have other pressing needs in linebackers and safeties, and possibly mm-hmm. a wide receiver three or four. Right. Which DeAndre Hopkins is not. DeAndre Hopkins is not. And and third, if he joins with the Eagles. How are you going to incorporate him into that offense? I mean, we already we already have AJ Brown, we already have Devontae Smith, but then of course, and then and then we also gotten a, a good backup in Olamide Zacchaeus. We recently acquired DeAndre Swift from a trade. The Eagles also got Dan Arnold from um, like from the I believe from the Panthers. I believe, I think yeah mm-hmm. I think he's, yeah Dan Arnold and then um. Oh, yeah, I was about to mention him as one of the um one of the free agents lo- the Panthers lost. I know it's not like a big concern, but the Eagles have enough good weapons to surround Jalen Hurts. And I and I and if DeAndre Hopkins comes in, he's gonna take away a majority of the snaps from Smith and from uh, from targets, receptions, and snaps from from all from all those possible target catchers. And guess what? AJ Brownson kind although he's a great player, he can be somewhat emotional. And the last thing I want for this Eagles team, if they want to make another run to Super Bowl, is to have any more drama. No drama is good. I don't want that. That is all. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Alrighty, moving on to the next one, Rakshak. What do you have? All right, and um, and but and before I start my news, um, I just want to wish everyone a happy Father's Day to every to every um to everyone. And um, and to you, um, Aman, uh, to Appa, um, to my dad, um, Happy Father's Day, and and I also wish the same for your fa- for your family too, Anand. Thank you, bro. I wish I wish your dad as well. Yes. So with that, we do have some um, bad news to share. Um, Hall of Fame offensive lineman Bob Brown, who um, passed away on Friday night at the age of eighty-one. He was labeled by the great John Madden, the most aggressive lineman that ever played. Um, The Pro Football Hall of Fame announced his death on Saturday. He was inducted in 2004 on the field. He was feared. And then Hall of Fame President Jim Porter mentioned um, he was fiercest an opponent as any defensive lineman or linebacker ever faced. He used every tactic and technique and sometimes brute force to crush the will of a person across the line from him. Took great pride. He was a five-time All-Pro, drafted number two overall by the Philadelphia Eagles in 64. He played um, 124 out of 126 games for the Eagles from 64 to 68, the LA Rams from 69 to 70, and the Raiders in 71 to 73, where he played for John Madden. And um, he and uh, and and um, one cool thing from um, John Madden that he also quoted that um, he played offense with a defensive guy's personality. He could hit you with his forearm and take a quarter out of you. In other words, if he really hit you, you wouldn't play hard until the next quarter. And he earned six pro ball nods, and he was also inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame in 1993. So um, rest in peace to a legend in Bob Brown. And I did not know that he was an eagle. So may you keep on flying eternally, Bob Brown. Fly, Eagles, fly. Yeah. Yeah, uh, 
wonderfully said, Jack. Rest in peace. All righty. Uh, moving on to the next piece of the Makada news. There is a um, another another Katsuda moment. Oh no! Yeah, Patriots uh, second year cornerback Jack Jones was recently arrested for having two firearms in his travel luggage at Boston's Logan Airport. Um, he's going to be arranged, uh, arranged, jeez, arraigned <laughs> next week in East Boston District Court, and his bail was set to $50,000. Okay, $50,000 to an <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> good one, good one. Um, but yeah, uh, this is, okay, so... He's 25 years old, and he was charged with two counts of the following offenses, possession of a concealed weapon and possession of ammunition without a firearm or identification card. I'm like, just why? 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 If you're going to carry guns, just, just do it properly. Why? Don't go through. I mean, uh, can we this say this together? This... Why? Why? Yeah, I. It's just a stupid thing to do. Arapavi. Yep. Yep. That's like thumbel. By by the way, Arapavi stumble for what in the blue hell or what the hell? Yep. Yep. I'm. Yeah. And then, Anand, I have some more Kachara news, and I think you're gonna have a debut. (laughs) The debut of Rakshak's rants. No, I think we've already debuted. This is gonna be, you know, part ten because we've had every every single Cowboys no, episode has has had a Rakshak rant, uh, no, Eagles drama. Twenty twenty three. I ah, think officially okay, 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 okay. for 2023, okay, okay. 2024. season two, season two season of Rakshak two? rants. Okay. All right, you might as well um remember indicate the salt levels for me. Okay, you're on oh, the salt. Yeah. Okay. I so me living in Albany, there's no other sports team except for the Albany Patroons, which is like like a minor minor league basketball. The only time I heard that there was a basketball team in Albany was because of the Last Dance documentary that Phil Jackson used to coach that team. And then there was this arena football league called the Albany Empire. And I went to a game last year. I met a great fan um, who's a Buffalo Bills guy, Cameron Stockman. Sockman, um, shout out to that to him, and the Albany Empire won that the um, National Arena League championship. Well, apparently, on June fifteenth, and this uh, and this is from ESPN, the National Football League kicked out the Albany Empire out of the league Thursday after team owner Antonio Brown fa- failed to pay either a required fee or a fine he received after recent public comments. After exhausting all avenues, the, the NAO Board of Owners have decided to unanimously determinate the membership agreement of the Albany Empire, the league said in a release. The decision was reached after an emergency conference call of all the members in good standing to discuss the Empire's failure to pay their league mandated and over, overdue assessments. Anand. Antonio, did you know this? Antonio Brown, who I thought like I thought he didn't have a career after he had showboated in Tampa Bay. Little did I know, he became a majority owner of the Albany Empire in April. I'm thinking this is going to 
there's going to be a lot of drama involved now. And apparently, all teams are required to pay one-seventh of the NAL operating budget via monthly transactions. The, apparently, Antonio Brown, his first thing as an owner, he did not make the April payment. You no, know, he made the April payment, but he did not pay the May 15th installment or a $1,000 fine for conduct detrimental to the league. He's an owner. He's a million-dollar man. He should be paying $1,000 is not that hard. But it didn't look like he was going to make the payment. And then we're hearing, and he took over 94% stake in the franchise in May. And then he wanted to try and um, he wanted to try and play for the Empire sometime in like on Wednesday and on Wednesday or like um, sometime in May or April. And, and with all of this drama, they decide to can't. They decide to shut down the Empire season, and I say thank you for doing this. But I told you, Brown, this is all your fault. Because of you, I will not have a chance to go see an Albany Empire game this 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 year. Because of you, this is so stupid. You are an idiot, Antonio Brown, for doing this. A diva, urinating tree was right about you, and. I'm still pissed that you even deserve to win a Super Bowl with, with, with Tom Brady. You don't deserve it. And, and, and you know what's even more crazier? They were like the players, players and suppliers were complained of not, not getting paid. And eight players were suspended after one player filed an aggravated harassment report with the police over a dispute that occurred on the team bus. What the hell, Antonio Brown? If I'm the Empire owners, get you have to have a board of directors in within the Albany Empire team. If there is one, talk amongst yourself and kick Antonio Brown out. Get proper owners in. Get the right coach. I want this team playing again next year so that we can so that I can watch. Isn't that too hard? Isn't that not too hard to ask for, Anand? What's the salt level on this one, Anand? Oh, you have enough salt to trade for the Roman Navy. <laughs> what? I I will I will give you that one. You know how salt was uh, famous as you know the most prized commodity back in ancient Roman times, right? And people used to trade for salt. Mm. So you know, now that I you have enough it, salt to trade for the entire Roman Navy. I don't. Well, but will that be enough salt? To um for the Satyagraha march, mm, that's fair. That's fair. Is that enough? Uh, maybe not. He I think more. I think more. Yeah. yeah. Anything related to cowboys and eagles, you might you might deliver there. I might but, deliver um, the goods then. All mm -hmm. right, moving on. And, yeah. and one more thing, Antonio Brown, just get away from Albany. Everything you touch dies. Yeah. <laughs> I will say that. I mean, it's it's unfathomable that he can be such a disaster to multiple organizations. Like any organization he has touched only has negative things to say about him. And maybe there's some issues that he has to deal with, but 
that should prevent him from being in such an influential you know place because as an owner of that organization the lives of those employees depend on your mental stability and if you're not capable of running that organization and by doing shenanigans like not you know properly uh paying fines that you could easily do this is what happens right you have you the entire team has to face consequences for Antonio Brown's negligent actions. And it's just not fair. It's just not fair to that entire team and to all those people who put in their hard work and their effort um, to make that. Fans, uh, yeah. And I was and, hoping for football in Albany. Right. And, and it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I get that too. But, you know, if you were to think about these employees and, and the fact that, they have actual lives that they have to attend to that they're being paid through this, you know, work that rely on this work. They're not going to have it now. So mm. it's just terrible. Anyways, let's move on. We have to. Yes. Get started with the NF, uh, with the NFC South breakdown. Please. Let's just do it. <laughs> Alrighty. So. First team that we're going to break down, the Saints. Okay. Okay. So for the Saints, in terms of free agents, you have the big moneymaker. You have Derek Carr. He signed a four-year, $150 million contract recently, um, you know, in this past offseason, sometime around March. They also acquired Nathan Shepard, who's a defensive end for three years. Kalen Saunders is also a defensive tackle, an interior defensive tackle. Uh, for three years, Foster Moreau, a tight end from the Raiders for three years, and Jamal Williams, the king, uh, for three years from the Lions and previously from the Packers. And they also got a couple of other uh, defensive back backups. And in terms of yeah. Jamal Williams, by the way, I love that he referenced the reference Naruto in, mm -hmm. in the final home season game, and he had a Pikachu hat, exactly. Um, He's just a great fit for that locker room. Like he, everywhere he goes, he's such a great locker room presence. Um, but yeah, so those are the free agents that they acquired in terms of players that they've retained. It's really just a couple of backups like Isaac Yadam, cornerback, Ty Summers, middle linebacker, um, and a couple of other backups. In terms of their draft, I think they did pretty decent. They got Brian Brzee, uh, you know, late with like the number 30 overall pick. Uh, who's an interior defensive tackle. Isaiah Foskey, a defensive edge to replace Marcus Davenport. Uh, Brian Brzee is also there to replace some of their uh, some of the interior defensive tackle that they've lost as well. Um, and to shore up that presence, Kendra Miller, who's a running back in the third round. Nick Saldaveri, uh, who's a tackle in fourth. Jay Kaner, QB from the fourth uh, in the fourth round. Jordan Howden, who's a safety in the fifth round, and A.T. Perry, who's a wide receiver in the sixth round. And in terms of firings, not a lot. They just had a couple of backups that they let go of. In trading standpoints, they just had, you know, some late late round draft movements, and that's pretty much it uh, for their offseason acquisitions and firings. It's it's just a lot of acquisitions, and they're just trying to reload that roster. Specifically in the D line and in you know the quarterback, obviously, as well. 
And the reason why that's they did it that way is because if you look at the things that they have to improve on from last year, specifically from the offensive side, right? One of the things, obviously, was quarterback play. Uh, they had Andy Dalton and um, who was it again? Andy Dalton and somebody else, Jameis Winston, I believe. Oh, yeah. Jameis, Jameis. Yeah. Andy Dalton and James, yeah, Andy Dalton, Jameis Winston, and Taysom Hill as your QBs weren't going to in many games. Why? So, (laughs) yeah, and and because they had that rotating cast of QBs, they had to have a run-dominated offensive scheme with very little passing, uh, with a with very little passing game. Right. They they were 14th in the entire NFL in terms of rushing attempts, but they're 27th in terms of passing attempts, right? But even though they took they had such a high focus in rushing versus passing, they still resulted in uh, DVOAs of 22nd in rushing and 24th in passing, which is the weird part because um, their passing offense was not that great right they they had obviously um sorry 22nd in passing and 24th in rushing they had you know obviously this rotating uh cast and then they didn't uh have enough pass attempts and yet they were still pretty successful they were still 22nd but the the biggest drawback here is that 24th uh, was their rushing DVOA ranking. And one of the reasons why they were so ineffective in the running game is because it was mostly dominated by their offensive line. If you look at the production that their offensive line had, uh, according to Football Outsiders, their average adjusted line yards per game was four and a half. So 4.5 adjusted line yards per game. That meant they ranked 12th in the entire league. But if you look at the second level yards or the yards that are mostly contributed by the running backs, they were at 1.07 of their average, you know, run per carry. And that was actually ranked 28th in the league. So what does this mean? This means that the RBs, the running backs, didn't do enough of the work in the run game. Most of the work was contributed by the offensive line. There was only a little bit that was contributed extra by the running backs. That means they have to improve on their running back play. Even though they had Alvin Kamara, it it just wasn't enough. You can even look at their run game scheme as well. If Their power run game works because they have 62% of their carries going between the A-gaps, and that results a 7th ranked uh, adjusted line yards between the A-gaps or the ones between the center and the guards. And that's all great. But that's because that offensive line component is actually pretty strong. If you look at their depth chart, that means they have Andrew Speed, Eric McCoy, and C- uh, Cesar Ruiz. Like those are pretty three pretty good, you know, running interior offensive linemen. What they really had to improve was on the edges because that resulted in them having an average sack rate of 19 or uh, that was ranked 19th in the league. So this basically means that a, 
the run game was not even. A lot of the effort was done by the interior offensive linemen. And that's what the Saints scheme, uh, power run scheme, focused on as well. And two, their offensive line protection wasn't really that great in pass protection because their tackles were pretty weak. Three, this resulted in them having a weaker passing game, but also because they had terrible, terrible QB play. And that all uh, that you know meant overall that their offensive production was extremely skewed towards you know the running game, and this meant that because they didn't have a good balance of the run game and the pass game, it means they didn't have enough success with their offense. That's why they were ranked uh, so low in their overall offense offensive rankings. They were ranked twenty second you know, in the league. And for a team that was supposed to be, you know, playoff contenders, that's not good. And so these are the things that they have to improve on this year. Having a more balanced running back attack, right? Making sure that your running backs are actually doing the work that you need them to do and not just rely on your interior offensive line, right? So, the positive is that they had a great interior offensive line presence in their run game. The downside is the running backs didn't do enough of the work. So they have to create a run scheme that um, you know continues this power run scheme, but also you need to get enough running backs or you get you need to get enough talented running backs to assist the offensive line with that. And that's where Jamal Williams comes in, right? He had 17 touchdowns last year, which was fantastic. Fantastic. And he's exactly the type of player that's going to boost up that second level yards and the open field yard uh, ranking that football outsiders have for, for the Saints. And that means that their run game can also be more potent because then it's not just five yards. It's also six, seven, eight yards on average. Right. So that's what they have to focus on. Then the other thing is if they can get, you know, the run game more consistent. Um. This can this can then lead uh, them to focus a little bit more on the passive because if they can if they can understand that on any given play they can get six to seven yards from the run game that means they can focus a little bit more in terms of using the pass for you know deeper plays pushing the pushing the ball down the field and with Derek Carr coming in some more you know offensive line help coming in this is going to help then they also picked up a tackle in the in, in the draft which meant they're looking to shore up that offensive uh tackle position that's been pretty weak for them so if they can work on that then they can really really push that uh off offensive ranking up out of the 20s and into the top 15. so this is what they need to do right first they need to make sure that their running backs are doing a lot uh, uh, more of the work than their offensive line is doing, especially in that second level yards. They need to improve on that. Second, they need to make sure that their scheme allows for the offensive line protection to be uh, properly made. Okay. And they need to have the, the tackles for that. Then third, their QB act play actually needs to be good so that they can rely on a consistent and deep 
uh, play-action passing scheme because they have the wide receivers for that. They just need the quarterback play for that. So if they focus on that, then they can have a top 15 offense. I really think so. In terms of their defense, their defense is actually much better um, than their offense. But it's really their pass defense that took uh, that stole the show. It was ranked sixth in the entire league at negative 7.6% passing DVOA. But their running defense is where they need to improve on. And you really saw that uh, this offseason with the acquisitions of Kalen Saunders, Nathan Shepard. And then in the in the draft, they went Brian Brzee first in, in, in the first round and then Isaiah Foskey in the second round. Because, you know, they were ranked 17th in rushing DVOA. So they need to improve on that. And in terms of rushing DVOA, their weakness is attacking the f- the gaps from the center to the right tackle. Right? Because that was ranked um, 22nd, 19th, and 24th, respectively, in adjusted line yards. That was because on the other side, they had Cam Jordan. So Cam Jordan was taking a lot of the responsibility for uh, for their run game in, in terms of run defense. But they didn't have anybody else to really back that up in, on the other side. And that's why these interior D linemen come into play. That's where Brian Brzee, that's where Isaiah Foskey come into play. Marcus Davenport didn't really, really do a good job. So, you know, he's leaving because of that. So... This is where they have to improve on, right? So the left side of the D-line has to focus right, on attacking the right side of the opposing offensive line. Yeah. So that is it from the Saints, really. And uh, yeah, moving on to the Panthers. Chuck, what have you got? All right. So the Panthers have had a huge set of turnarounds. And one thing we need to talk about... Uh, is for sure like let's talk with some acquisitions and boy oh boy i mean did like overall did you think like there was like a lot of changes that happened with the panthers like in general yes there were a lot of changes so therefore ladies and gentlemen i'm only going to highlight the ones that were the most important so for acquisitions and free agents some big key signings that i thought was really huge was um getting adam thielen from from Anand's most hated team ever, or Vikings, whoops, Adam Thielen, a veteran wide receiver, pres- getting a veteran wide receiver presence from the Vikings for a three-year, $25 million. You also get DJ Chark, wide receiver from the Lions, for one-year, $5 million. Tamu Krujahil, um, line- outside linebacker from the Texans on a one-year deal. Eric Rowe, safety from the Dolphins for a one-year deal one-year deal, and Eddie Pinheiro, kicker from the Jets, for a two-year $4.1 million. And they also got Miles Sanders from the Philadelphia Eagles and Hayden Hurst, from, um, who, was, who used to be well-known with the Cincinnati Bengals. And, a, and another big extension, that I, a big extension that I saw, which I thought should be a big use, is um, re-signing center Bradley Bozeman. For, for a three-year, $18 million. This helps secure the Panthers' offensive line. And, of course, we got to talk about the draft. Why can't why can't we not? Because they made this blockbuster trade. With, because prior to the NFL draft, the Panthers made a blockbuster trade with the Chicago Bears for the number one spot. And the results of their draft, they get highs with the number one pick in the NFL draft. They get Heisman Trophy winner Bryce Young from, the, from Alabama. 
as their as their new QB. Then they then in the second round they get wide receiver Jonathan Minga, whom I had going as wide receiver five or six in the second or third rounds. If he was available, you should get him. Then they get a serviceable linebacker in DJ Johnson from Oregon, outside linebacker. Then they reinforce the line and the, the offensive line with Chandler Zavala from North Carolina State. I thought that was very good, getting him in the fourth round. And fifth round, they end the draft by getting Jamie Robinson, um, Florida State safety. Um, fun fact, I had the Eagles picking him in multiple mock drafts if I could not get Brian Branch in the later rounds. And um, PFF gave me an A-plus grade when selecting him in the fifth or the sixth round. And some of the re releases with the Panthers, they let go of Dan Arnold, um, backup tight end, um, to, the, <clears throat> to the Philadelphia Eagles. And, and, and I mean, there weren't that many... Um, that many names that the Panthers let go, except um, in the trade-wise, they um, DJ Moore, their top wide receiver, was let go, um, was sent to the Chicago Bears as part of that trade package to get the number one draft pick. And they also let go of kicker Zane Gonzalez, who is now with the 49ers. These were some of the big moves. So long story short, this is what I'm highlighting. But Anand, I want to talk about the staff. I thought this was the most effective. Because they have a new head coach after, I remember what I said like last year about about um, Matt Rule. If he did not take care of that um, of his quarterback in Baker Mayfield, I, I will blame him for like for ending for like nearly ending his career and all that. And um, rightfully so. He, Matt Rule is back in college wherever he used to be in, and now the Panthers um, have a new head coach and Frank Reich, ex head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, and. We all know him as the ex-offensive coordinator of the Philadelphia Eagles that won that 2017-2018 Super Bowl against the New England Patriots, which we did it with a backup QB and a trick play uh, against the the greatest one of the greatest QBs of all time. I'm going to be beating that drum as much as I can. And as part of the new staff, they get a good they, uh, as part of the new overhaul. Some big names I'm going to reveal. They actually got for their running backs coach. You want to know who they got on on? They got Deuce Staley, who used to be the running backs coach for the um, for the Eagles and the Lions, and also former player for the Eagles and Steelers back in the day. Their QB coach is veteran Josh McCown, the journeyman, and um, and they have a new defensive coordinator in Ejiro Evero, who used to be the ex defensive coordinator with the Broncos. I'm going to talk about him a little bit more, which I think is really huge. And then senior assistant, they get Jim Caldwell, who I still think is a good coach, but he but having him as an assistant helps Frank Reich like get a little bit more of like what where he was lacking. And he provides more ideas. And assistant defensive back coach, Anna, you're gonna love this one. They get D'Angelo Hall. Remember D'Angelo Hall back in the day? Like, mm -hmm. yep, he was quarterback for the Falcons, the the Oakland Raiders, and what used to be the Washington um, Redskins, now Commanders. And this is his actual coaching debut. So it's a very interesting move by what the Panthers are doing. And I have some areas that they need to improve. Did you know, Anand, that according to ESPN alone, the Panthers were 28th in total offense, 306.2 total yards per game. And no, this is not a shocker. 
they were 100 they had one they averaged 176 passing yards per game average i mean i understand that you have to deal with the likes of of like baker mayfield pj walker um god i don't even know who the other qbs are because they were so bad <laughs> or even matt corral and i forgot the panthers have a backup qb and andy dalton like what the hell <laughs> So with this, Matt Rule, I really think he jeopardized um, the careers of like Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield. And now with the new coach and Fra with Frank Reich, um, you, like under Frank Reich, I want you to understand this. Um, he had to work. Frank Reich had had the when he was with the Colts, he had the unfortunate um, task of handling six QBs in four point five years. When he was with the Colts head coach, I mean, he had to deal with Andrew Luck, Jacoby Brissett, Philip Rivers, Carson Wentz, and the combination of Matt Ryan and Sam Ellinger, which obviously worked. Did it or not? The combination of Matt Ryan and Sam Ellinger. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. It was that's so a winning QB combination. Right. And, but one thing I really liked about Frank Reich, um, like from 2018 to 2021, when he was with the Colts, like ex when 2018, he was it, this coat. Um, the Colts were fifth in total offense. 2019, they were 17th in total offense because they had to work with Jacoby Brissett for a year. 2020, with, I believe it was with Philip Rivers, ninth in total offense. 2021, um, even with Carson Wentz, he had ninth in total offense. So it's basically consistent, but the key thing that I'm looking into is was passing yards. I think um, it regressed from 2018 because he had Andrew Luck as his quarterback. But then again, the Colts did not have an offensive line. But then when Jonathan Taylor started taking over in 2021, they were second in rushing yards and 10th in scoring offense. But they were 26 in passing offense because of Carson Wentz because he did not know how to throw the ball. But now he has the ability, he has a chance to work with Heisman winner Bryce Young to start as QB. And not only that, Bryce Young is not alone. He gets to work with Josh McCown, who used to be a journeyman QB, and his backup is Andy Dalton. And and, and don't forget Matt Corral, who was who was um who was who was basically a rival of his when he was with Ole Miss. So I think with Bryce Young, although the height is very, very or something questionable, Bryce Young enters into the league with a proper offensive line and the right and so, and some good veteran tool with good veteran players to work with. I mean, he gets to work with he gets to be teamed up with Miles Sanders and Chuba Hubbard as part of that defense, as part of the running back attack. And he gets to work with um and his uh, and his wide receivers and Terrence Marshall, DJ Chark, um, Jonathan Mingo, Adam Thielen. Man, that's a and and Hayden Hurst as your tight end. That's pretty solid. And 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 don't forget, they have left tackle from like last year, Ike McQuanu. If he's make, if he can improve a little bit more, I think um, like if he can work more on his passing on on his pass protection and run blocking, he should be pretty solid. And they also have, and they brought in a backup and Chandler, drafted backup and Chandler Zavala, who I know is questionable, but you bit, but once you build up th that depth for the Panthers' offense, you should be pretty much good to go. And defense, oh God, Anand, did you know that the Panthers are ranked twenty seventh ranked defense in D in DVOA?
They were 27th against the pass, 18th against the rush. And they did it with the likes of JC, with um, the combination of JC Horn and, um, and, 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 and CJ Henderson and Jeremy Chin and Z, and, um, they were they played really scrappy and they were pretty effective. But I think the biggest key is going to be Ejiro Avero. So basically, under him, the Broncos defense was ranked seventh in the NFL in total defense allowed, 320 yards per game, tenth in rushing defense, and second opponent third down conversion percentage of 34 point, 34.1%. The team also finished in the top 10 in opponent points per drive. And under his tutelage, you had cornerbacks Patrick Sartan II and J safety Justin Simmons gathering postseason accolades. Sartan was first-team All-Pro, AP All-Pro, and named starter for the AFC Pro Bowl. And um, Sartan also excelled in his second year, racking up 60 tackles, two interceptions, and 10 pass deflected. And he spent, in prior to Denver, he had spent five years in with the, with the LA Rams as a secondary head coach, coordinator, and and passing game coordinator and safeties, but having Ejiro and D'Angelo Hall effectively as a defensive coordinator and your offensive and your assistant defensive backs, this Panthers defense is going to improve slight, like a little bit more better because now you have an experienced and proper defensive coordinator that can got that can like elevate the talents of JC Horn and Dante Jackson. And you're bringing in a veteran like Eric Rowe to help uh, to help provide safety room, and as well as drafting Jamie Robinson and 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 maybe helping Jeremy Chin get a little bit more scrappier. And plus, and also, it's it'll be very interesting to see how this defense survives again without Hassan Reddick, who is now with the Eagles. So it was still with the Eagles, but I think the Panthers, if they can develop. I think their secondary will be more better, but if they can still develop that pass rush and attack the QB, that would be much more effective. And one more stat I want to bring up as part of their defensive line for the Panthers, only registered 35 sacks in the entire season. That I think they need to work on. And and I think with under Edgero, if you're if the secondary is able to be a little bit more better, we could see a lot more of the pass rush. But first, stop the run and then attack the QB. So this is what I got for the Panthers. What do you think? I love it. I love it. All righty. I mean, what you what you made out in, in terms of, you know, their defense being pretty weak, if they want to compete for a playoff spot, that's something that they have to fix. So, yeah. Like All righty. And hiring Ajiro Evero, that's a solid move. I really like their coaching moves that they've made this year. Yeah, I, I so. do, especially Josh McCown coming back, mm -hmm. like coming and do it. Like, I didn't know Edgy Rose. Like, why haven't I heard this name before? Apparently, he has 17 years in the 17 years of coaching experience in the NFL, mm -hmm. bro. And he was a, and, he, and he was mainly involved in defensive backs. So, exactly. And having an ex player like D'Angelo Hall to help you out, ooh, that's gonna be good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right, now let's move on to. The Bucks, all right. The Bucks. Mm -hmm. After having you know Tom Brady for the past three years, he is not there anymore. He has. Thank retired. God. Thank God. Um. Thank God that he's retired. But they Yo, have acquired some, last. 
free at last. Thank God, God Almighty, Almighty, we're, we're free, at free at last. <laughs> <laughs> nice one, nice one. <laughs> oh, by the oh, way, happy boy. early Juneteenth to everyone tomorrow. Yes, yes, because of the work that all of these famous, famous African Americans and other people of color have made. Now, let's move on to what the Bucks did. In terms of acquisitions for free agents, they got a running back, they got a kicker, they got Baker Mayfield, and they got other backups as well. <laughs> now, Baker Mayfield is going to be the key for them to win the division. Oh, my okay, God. I really think he's going <laughs> to kickstart his career here again. Um, it's, it's a fantastic team, you know? They have all the pieces to go and win the Super Bowl. They just needed that right QB, and Baker Mayfield's going to be that guy. Starting with progressive insurance for that, the Buccaneer Stadium. <laughs> yeah. Progressive. Yes. I think it's going to be, I think you may need to switch to Geico after this. Season. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe it's, an insurance wait, against hurricanes. 50, 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Or you're going to be, or for Allstate, because I think he's going to be encountering mayhem. <laughs> So, yep. In terms of players that they've retained, it was the big signing, uh, re-signing was Jamel Dean, cornerback. They gave him a four-year, $52 million deal. Um, Levante David also stayed back with them for one year. And so most of their re-signings were just, you know, backups and defensive players. What they really did, obviously, was getting Baker Mayfield and then retaining Jamel Dean. That's their biggest thing. And then in the draft, they also went really defensive heavy. They had Kalaja Kansi in the first round. I love Kalaja Kansi, and I'm Man, so that sad that he went to the Bucks. It was a good pick. It was a good, like dude, for him picking him at the later rounds. That was mm-hmm. a steal. Yeah, yeah, or yeah, at the at the back end of the first round. So oh yeah, back end definitely. Mm-hmm. And then in the second round, you got Cody Moch, who's going to be an offensive tackle. Yaya Diaby is the defensive end in the third round and a linebacker in the fifth round, tight end in the fifth round, cornerback, wide receiver, and uh, outside linebacker all in the sixth round, all just backups. Really, their starters are going to be Kalaja Kansi and Cody Moach. And the reason why Cody Moach is going to be a starter is because they also rele- released Donovan Smith, who was their star left tackle for a long time. But last year, he just gave up way too many penalties. Um, and he was just not good also. Like he, he was just getting older and not that good at the job. So he's out. They lost Gennard Avery, another older interior defensive lineman. They lost out uh they, they lost Mike Edwards, a safety. They lost Keanu Neal, who's another safety. They also lost Rakeem Nunez Rochas. So if you look at their defensive line depth now, that's why them picking Kalaja Kansi made so much more sense than you would think. It's because their defensive line depth had gotten down. Right. So now they have Vita Vea, Logan Hall, Kalaja Kansi, Greg Gaines, and then Joy Tryon Shoinka, along with Shaq Barrett, and then they still have Devin White, Levante David. So now they've re-established their front seven as a really pretty decently strong front seven. Right. And then they also retained Jamel Dean as their starting corner with uh, Carlton Davis. So 
That's what they did. Uh, one of the most underrated trades that happened this past offseason was Shaq Mason to the Texans for a sixth-round pick. I mean, that was mind-bending because I didn't realize that Shaq Mason was just worth a sixth-round pick. I thought at least he would be a second-round pick or a third-round pick. But... I mean, it would have to be based... I mean, like I do get, I do get your, um, I do get that point, but I thought like Shaq Mason's pr- players was like, um, I think it was like under regression for some po- for some time, right? Mm, gotcha. I mean, it could be. Yeah. I'm not sure though. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that was it from their offseason acquisition and firings. Um, moving on to what they need to improve on from last year. Tom Brady is gone. So their passing game is going to be the real story here. But in terms of, you know, that that's just a that's just a new thing that we're going to have to watch out for. But instead uh in terms of improving on what they need to do from last year, their rushing attack was brutally awful. They were ranked 30th in overall rushing DVOA, 28th in adjusted line yards, 32nd in second level yards. 31st in open field yards ranking and 32nd in expected points added from rushing. But this is also because they ranked dead last in rushing attempts. They only attempted to run for 386 times on the entire year. Huh? Yeah. That is low like even for the i thought bucks, it'd be like more like averaging like a thousand you want to try and av- like average like rushing more like over like 500 600 but this is like half no no, the no, no, no. no 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 not yards oh. attempts oh. attempts. oh yeah like in attempts like you want to oh. you want to like you want to like rush as much as possible right yeah, well, so not many teams rush for more than 500 attempts. It's really the top 10. Like Steelers, so the top 10 in terms of rushing attempts were the Falcons, Bears, Eagles, Commanders, Browns, Cowboys, Ravens, Giants, 49ers, and Steelers. Like they were the top 10. Um, if you look at most of the NFL runs for more than 400 times. So... It's really just four teams that ran for less than 400. Those four being the Bengals, the Texans, the Dolphins, and the Bucks. Bengals and Dolphins make sense. They have all-star wide receivers. Texans, yeah, that's fine. They had, you know, they don't have anybody. But the Bucks, yeah, they they also have all-star wide receivers and that's why in terms of passing they had the highest amount of passes. They had 751 pass attempts. So I can understand why Tom Brady was going to retire because, you know, he was just like, okay, I'm done. Thank you very much. <laughs> I threw for uh, 750 times this season. I'm good. I'm good. You need a good balance. And that's not what the Tampa Bay Bucks did last year. And both of their running backs also ranked in the mid-30s in running back DVOA. So their rushing attack, definitely has to improve not only from an attempt standpoint but an overall effectiveness standpoint but for me unlike what the saints have done i just don't know if they've done enough rashad white was one of their running backs previously and he just an is an average running back 
I don't think they've really improved on their offensive line situation that much. Um, maybe they get into the twenties, but I just don't really see them, you know, changing a lot of their offense, especially because now that you don't have uh, Tom Brady. All right, you're going to have to focus on the running game more. So they're going to bump up that uh, running attempt uh, score. But are they really going to be that effective? I don't know. I think they haven't made enough moves like the Saints have done, uh, who had a pretty similar running, uh, you know, rushing attempt record and rushing effectiveness record. But the Bucks were just terrible overall. So... That's one thing that they really have to improve on the offense. The passing attack, you know, we're going to have to check in with them during the season. But with Tom Brady gone, most likely it's just going to be a disaster. There's nothing really you can do. It's not like they picked up a star quarterback that you actually have hopes on. So the really the big thing that they would have to really improve on to make them at least be sort of competitive offensively is to improve that rushing attack. That starts with just having more attempts, which I think they will. In terms of their defense, that's where their strong point really is. It's a pretty decent overall defense. Uh, 13th ranked in pass DVOA, 15th ranked in rushing DVOA. Their D-line was really, really good in terms of run stop and pass rush. Both ranked 8th in um, adjusted line yards allowed and adjusted sack uh, rate. <clears throat> but their linebacking core took a hit with a regression from Levante David and Devin White, especially in the running game, because their second-level yards was ranked 17th allowed and 21st in open field rank. That means once the running back got past the defensive line, more often than not, they were getting more and more yards. And that's not something that you should have when you have players like Devin White and Levante David. Like, you need a strong middle linebacker in court. So their defensive line is doing a lot of the run-stopping work. Their linebacking core has to improve. That performance has to improve in this defense if they want to maintain that uh, success with the rushing. Um, and especially now with their offense not going, to, uh, not not being as potent as last year, because there's going to inevitably be a drop in their um, quarterback performance. That means the defense is going to be on the field a lot more, which means they're going to get tired even more, which means the running, you know, the, the rushing DVOA is going to go down as well. Um, and it's just going to be more susceptible. They're, they're just going to be more susceptible for those successful run plays from the offense, uh, from the from the opposing offense, uh, because of the nature of the situation that they have with with their own offense. So that's really what I see for the Bucks. For them to improve on from last year, they really need to improve on their rushing attack on the offensive side. Overall, like just get better running backs, better offensive linemen, better scheme, better coaching. Like that entire unit has to be better. Um, and then in terms of their defense, their linebacking core has to stay strong, especially in the run game, because that's really, you know, one of the key negatives with their defensive performances last year. Um, and you won't really see that on bare bones statistics, like, you know, average 
carry uh, average yards per carry. Um, but if you look at a deeper statistical, uh, if you do a deeper statistical analysis, like what Football Outsiders uh, does, then you will really see the breakdown in how they, you know, how their run defense actually works. You know, through those three levels. So it really shows that their defensive line does most of the work, especially players like Vita Vea. So it's going to be more, more, more of the same next year, unless they were, they're able to, you know, Devin White and Levante David are able to bounce back from last year's performances. So that's it from the Bucks. What about the Falcons? Definitely great analysis. And I mean, the Bucks. I have a beat the dome moment for you on the one pretty soon. But first, let's talk about the Falcons. The yes, I am referring to the 28-3 Falcons. The same Falcons that um blew a 28-3 lead to the Patriots in the Super Bowl. I mean, who on earth does that? Unless you're the Inda- Indianapolis Colts. So they may they did have an an overall an overhaul of both uh, players and staff. So again. I'm going to re. I'm reiterating to to our audience that we're only. I'm only focusing on the big names. So with this, we have we ha- um here are the followings. Like for free agents, um the they were able to get Jeff. The Falcons are able to get Jeff Okuda, cornerback, traded with the Lions in exchange for a fifth round pick, the, the 2023 fifth round pick. And another big name they got they tra- they got Janu Smith tight end traded from the Patriots in exchange for 2023 seventh round pick and cor- and their cornerback Isaiah Bolden. Then they picked the legend that is the quarterback Taylor Heineke for two year 14 million from the command from the Washington Commanders. And during the free agent market signing, I said if if someone can target at safety. Some teams like the Eagles or other players might need it. The Falcons struck first. They got Jesse Bates, and he set the market for four-year, sixty-four million-dollar deal from the Bengals. And and I and I thought like this was a um, a really good move that I liked. They um the Falcons reinforced their defensive line by getting Calais Campbell for one year, one year, seven million from the Ravens, and they get veteran linebacker Bud Dupree one year, three million from the Titans. Some of their the re-signing um, players that they re-signed, which I, and this one is really huge. They re-signed their guard, Chris Lindstrom, to a five-year, hundred and two point five million dollar deal. And Anand, we got to talk about their draft picks. One of the biggest moves that I thought that the Falcons would never do: the eighth overall pick. They get your boy, the lineback running back from the University of Texas at Austin. Mr. Bijan Robinson. I mean, what do you think about that move? I wanted to get your thoughts on this. What was your reaction when they when you saw Bijan Robinson go? For me, I think it was a really good move. Um, I, I do understand that they could have gone somewhere else, but if you really want to help a young QB, whoever it's going to be, whether they believe in Desmond Ritter, whether they believe in some other QB in the next year's draft, it's always beneficial to have fantastic young offensive pieces because you never know how they're going to fit into the game. So whenever people say like, oh, 
the Falcons already have a running back. They don't need a running back. Nobody drafts a running back that high. Look at how well Saquon has been in integral to the to the Giants. Yeah. Look at how integral Nick Chubb has been or Dalvin Cook has been to to these um to these teams' success. Look at how Austin Eckler has been. I mean, he wasn't drafted that high, but he's been extremely beneficial, right? Oh, so definitely. That's and- why a player like Bijan Robinson's caliber, who is one of the most gifted running backs you will see in the past, you know, 10 years. You will see even the same thing with Derrick Henry for the Titans. Hmm. It's so beneficial to have such a talented key offensive weapon that's also extremely versatile. That's not just a running back, but that's also a receiver as well. So hundred oh, percent. I think 100%. it's a really good move from them. Yeah. And 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 going and going back to that, like not only did they get Bijan Robinson, they said, "Oh no, we need to we need to um defend to like make sure that our QB is protected." So second pick, they move up and they get, and I really like this rule. They get offensive guard Matthew Bergeron from Syracuse, and then they go back to the defense to the line because the goal is the month because the mantra or the shloka. Is this is universal? Build from the trenches. Everything starts from the trenches or your foundation. The foundation is the trench. And they get um and they get defensive end Zach Harrison from Ohio State as the third round pick. Fourth round pick, they get a good they have a serviceable cornerback in Clark Phillips, the third. And then they trade back, they they trade a couple of spots to get as to get two seventh round picks. The first seventh round pick, they get their first seventh round pick, um, pick number seven in seventh round, they get DeMarco Hellems from Alabama, a safety, and they go back to the offensive guard by getting by by getting Jovan Gwynn from South Carolina, offensive guard. And I also noticed it as part of their free agents, they get Mac Hollins for wide receiver and the legend that is JJ Ortega Whiteside. Yes, I know the J-Jaw is playing with the Falcons. <laughs> oh, God. I still get nightmares of how the Eagles could have gotten A.J. Brown, but instead they get freaking J-Jaw. But I'm happy. But some of their, but some of the players that the Falcons let go, I thought that this was pretty big. Um, they did cut Casey Hayward, their cornerback, from... Um, <clears throat> yeah. They, they, yeah, they let go of K. They let, they had to let go of Casey Award, who was aging, and then they did give up Isaiah Bolden as part of the Jada Smith trade, and then they lost two players to the Eagles: wide receiver Alameda Zacchaeus, who was I, I want to say he was part of their good number three, along with Damian Bride, Bride, who is now left. Um, then they also lost their backup quarterback Marcus Mariota, who is now with the Philadelphia Eagles. And these were some of the notable moves that I saw were gone. That that like from the Falcons. But their staff, Arthur Smith made a couple made a bunch of changes before the NFL combine. And he basically cleaned like their defense on it. They they you know that they were ranked 30th in defensive DVOA, right? Did you know that? No, I didn't. Yeah, because of that. He had to cl- he cleaned ha- the defensive house completely. <laughs> he completely he completely took a broomstick, swept the house, 
and he except he left Frank Bush as their interior as their, their interior linebacker coach, and he got Ryan Nielsen from the Saints to be the defensive coordinator, and and as part of the release, some notes they got Steve ja he brought Steve Jackson a secondary coach Dave Huxtable senior defensive analyst. Um, there's a long name like Matt Baker for special teams assistant, Mario Jabario, a special projects on defense. It sounds very ominous. Brought in Patrick Kramer and Stephen King as offensive assistant. Assistants, Lane Goethe as defensive front specialist, Sean Flattery as offensive assistant on offensive line coach, Nick Perry as assistant receivers coach, and Dick. And again, like Dave Huxtable, secondary coach. So it's very, um, and of course, like this comes after defensive coordinator Dean D Dean Pease retired, and and with that, it'll be very interesting um, to see. Um, oh, and then they also brought in back two two more guys: Michael Gray as football analyst and Matteo Kambui as as the Bill Walsh diversity coaching fellow offensive line. And, and 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 with that, like here are some areas that the Falcons need to improve. They were thirteen, and uh, even for their bad record, another they were thirteenth in offense, and thirteenth in off in, in offense, and thirtieth in defense per DVOA. They were twelve. So yeah. So 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 one thing you said that they got Stephen King on a defensive uh, position. No, right? as an offensive assistant. Oh, as an offensive assistant. So. Are they devising a house of horrors for the opposing defense to walk into whenever their offense <laughs> walks on the field? Oh, I see what you did there. I see hey. what you did there. Hey. I love it. I love Sorry, it. go ahead. Go ahead. No, I no, no. no. I think, no, I, I'd be very interested. I Because I don't know who Stephen King is. If you if they pull off like the scary, because like I decided, uh, and fun fact, I decided to Google the name Stephen King, not Stephen King. This is with a V. It's directing me to search instead for Stephen King. I have no idea who the guy is, but but I understand. Like I, but then like Anna, I think you covered my biggest question that I had. They like since they were twelfth in offensive in offense passing DVOA and third in offensive rushing DVOA. And here's a fun fact: their offensive line is fifth in DVOA. Did you know that? The Falcons' offensive line is number five in DVOA. I That's what I'm saying. Like, if they can really uh, increase their offensive uh, effectiveness, they can fight the Saints. I mean, they they nearly they nearly made it to the playoffs. If it weren't yeah. for some bogus calls against against the Buccaneer with the Buccaneers that one game, mm -hmm. I thought they got robbed that game. Mm -hmm. And 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 of course, it's Brady. But then of course, then also. Desmond Ritter had a shaky game, but or I think it was Mariota or or um I mean this is the same Falcon teams that beat the 49ers. The 49ers of all teams. Although the 49ers have some injuries, but still you play you play the team that you're you're supposed to play. So I it'll be very interesting to see. I think I could see Arthur Smith recreating the Derrick Henry type of running game with the Falcons, but with Bijan Robinson and Tyler Algier. Now that you got Cordell Patterson coming back, I think you can just have Patterson will have an easier role. 
I could see him going as your pass catching back or a um, or 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 to work with on special teams, and uh, and it'll be very interesting to see this type of um the, again like to see Bijan Robinson as part of this uh, um, along with Kyle Pitts, Drake London, Tyler again Tyler Algier, Cordell Patterson, and the additions of Matt Collins, Scotty Miller, and um, Scotty Miller from the Buccaneers. JJ Ortega Whiteside and John Smith, they're bringing in overall a ton of weapons for Desmond Ritter to work on. And, 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 and just remember, if Desmond Ritter doesn't work out, you have the man, the myth, the legend, and Taylor Heineke. So, Ritter, you better get your act up. And I think, like, and, and with this, before you quickly, before anyone can rush on Desmond Ritter, like, he should not be playing. You, I, I, I want to say this for like any fresh QBs that are, for like any QBs like him, I want Ritter to play the entire season, barring injury. And defense, I, I, I got to talk about defense. What the hell? And um, this was an embarrassment. Thirtieth in DVOA, you have 29th in pass defense, twenty fourth in rush defense. Anand, one word from you. 29th in pass defense and 24th in rush defense in DVOA. Yeah, it's not good. And with this, I think they made a very interesting move by getting Ryan Nielsen from the New Orleans Saints. And I was reading this, uh, I was reading like an ESPN article today. I wanted to get to know a little bit more about him. And I think this is very interesting because um, Ryan Nielsen used to be one of the defensive line coach, new def- one of the de- the de- the defensive line coaches when he was with the Saints under um, who's their who's our head coach still with the Saints? Um, yeah, just get back to me when you have that. I I know it used Say to be what? who was the de- who was the the defensive coordinator from the Saints who is now the head coach, Dennis Allen. Yeah, he was under he was a defensive line coach under Dennis Allen. And and Ryan Nielsen's um R- Ryan Nelson's ability um I think his biggest strength, his general thoughts is how to get to the his biggest priority is to build a unit that can go after the quarterback. And getting Calais Campbell is huge. You have a veteran and a captain to help that defensive line. And and also for the and also for the Falcons. You're getting Jeff Okuda and Jesse Bates. Your secondary is a, is getting a little bit better, but then again, they have to keep on making plays. And Ryan Nelson is going to enforce that Falcons defensive line to attack the QB. I mean, 30th, 29th in pass defense, 24th in rush defense. Best way you can go about it: build a line that can stop the run and attack, attack, attack. And that's all I have. I mean, that's all I gotta say. That's all I have with the Falcons. You have to, for defense, attack the QB. Nice, nice. Well said. Attacking the QB always works. Um, all right. when, in doubt, when in doubt, I remember this game from NFL Blitz 2000. There's, there's this play called suicide, meaning you get everyone to rush the QB. Uh-huh. NFL Blitz 2000 on Nintendo 64, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, all righty. 
So that concludes the breakdown of our division. And now we're going to go on to our division projected rankings. We're going to do a little bit shorter now. All right. So now I think the Saints are going to win this division. I think they're going to go 12 and 5. And the reason why is because with the additions that they made on offense and defense, I expect their passing improve uh, passing offense to improve from 22nd in pass DVO, DVOA to you know to be in the top 15 because of their car that they uh, got um and the fact that i want them to be much more effective in in the passing game because it, it's really the one thing that they can do to supplant uh, or, or or yeah supplant the bucks as you know future division titles uh title winners so for the past couple years it's been the bucks because of tom brady because of their high flying offense so if the saints can recreate something like that while also having a balanced uh rushing attack then i really think that they could win this division um there's not that much of a competition anyway so i really think that they should win this division in in, in terms of defense that they can do you know we already mentioned with all the d-line improvements that they can make so if they make those the improvements that i uh, anticipated, then the Saints can move to 12 and 5 and be the division winner. For me, I'll say that the Panthers are coming coming in in second uh, at 8 and 9. Realistically speaking, I think that's exactly about what their worth is going to be because we haven't seen what Bryce Young can do, but I love the moves that they made, especially coaching uh, on the co on the co on the coaching side with uh, Frank Clark and Ajiro Evero. And Bryce Young is probably the most NFL-ready QB out of the entire league, out of the entire draft. So, yeah, I think the Panthers can get to 8-9. and nine. Falcons, along the same reason for, for the Panthers, I just think that the Panthers' defense is going to be better than the Falcons, and that might edge them one or two more games against the Falcons. I think Falcons are probably going to have a similar record. Bucks are going to be the worst, probably 5-12. and 12. I think they're going to be one of the worst teams this uh, this upcoming year, but with a competitive defense. Uh, I really have no faith in the offense with Baker Mayfield running the show. Um, it's really going to be sad for some of those offensive players uh, to work with players of Baker Mayfield caliber. So that's it from my side. What about you, Doug Shuck? Um, I basically had a different or I mean, I had the Saints going up as number one with um, they go 11 and six. I mean, you basically explained what the additions that they made on offense and defense and Derek Carr changes our offense a lot. And I don't think he's going to be held back like he had previously with the Raiders in his entire career. So I think he's going to be I think um, they may um, I think that, yeah, the Saints easily win this division. They go 12 and five. And um, the Panthers and 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 with that I have no no I actually have the Saints going eleven and six. Um, then I have the Falcons going eight and nine, and for Panthers going seven and ten because Panthers even with Bryce Young, it's going to be very very difficult transitioning from the collegiate league to the um, to the NFL. But then again, Bryce Young has played in the system in a conference like in the southeastern conference or the sec that has had nfl late nfl type caliber type of teams 
And I think he will be mentally prepared, but he will be making some mistakes, which is why I have the Falcons a little bit over the edge. And, um, and, but the thing is the Falcons could make a run for the wild card. Um, prompt if Desmond Ritter can, can try and improve, improve a little bit more, they can go from eight and nine to like 10 and to like 10 and seven. But I have the Falcons going eight and nine Panthers going seven and 10. And of course the Bucks going at four and 13. I mean, the Bucks are, I think, and I have a, and, and I have a beat the dull moment Bucks next year. They're going to be competing for Tank Bowl number one spot, baby. Ooh, I don't know if they're going to be that bad, but we'll see. No, but four and thirteen, I think, and no, like a lot of teams are going to improve, but four and thirteen is definitely a winner for Tank Bowl. That's fair. That's fair. All righty. So you've heard his beat the dull moment. We're going to wrap up the uh, boom and bust player segment now. For me, my boom player is going to be Derek Carr. Uh. I really look at the Saints weapon, you know, weapons cabinet, and you have someone like Kamara, uh, Alvin Kamara, and Jamal Williams as your running backs, two formidable running backs. You got Mike Thomas, uh, Chris Olave, James Washington, A.T. Perry, Jawan Johnson, Foster Moreau as all of your receiving options. That's more than plenty, right? Plus, he'll be away from Josh McDaniels, which I think is a real kicker here because. Josh McDaniels really hampered that Raiders offense. Um, He's trying to and, recreate New England's offense, man. Yeah, that's that's not going to work. Um, so I think Derek Carr is going to have a fantastic year this year. Probably going to be a top 10 QB. I'll say that. Uh, just, just based on the amount of weapons that he has to work with and the fact that he's going to be running his own show, you know? He's going to be the he's going to be the the leader in that group. It's not going to be jockeyed by Josh McDaniels and Devontae Adams and then him and then Josh Jacobs. It's it's gonna be him. My bust player for this segment uh for this for this division is going to be Mike Evans. And him having so much success with Tom Brady is one thing, but trying to maintain that success with the rotating cast of Baker Mayfield, Kyle Trask, and John Wolford is going to be something else. And I just don't think that they're going to have it in them to uh to sustain a strong receiving year for Mike Evans um, and a beat the dull moment for me. Oh, he's going to ask for a midseason trade. Oh, dang. I could really see it. I can really see it. I can really see that happening. I mean, moving to some, some of a con like moving to a contender, like, could you imagine him and Stefan Diggs on the bills? Stefan Diggs, him and Stefan Diggs in the Bills. Oh my God. Right? Oh my God. That would be God. perfect. That would be perfect for the Bills. Wouldn't that, that be something? Mm hmm. So, yeah, that's that's it for me. Uh, what about you, Doc Okay, my boom player. And I have a beat the dull moment right here. You're looking at offensive rookie of the year. You're going Bryce Young. Ooh, okay. Bryce Young has a lot of talent. He's going to be under the head coach of Frank Reich and experience with Josh, Mc, Josh McCown. And plus, he'll get some guidance from Jim Caldwell. He has a set of teachers to help him out. And also with like the, uh, the with a good cannon arm and his ability to read the field. I mean, of course, he's a, he won the freaking Heisman Trophy with Alabama. And he has a championship mindset and pedigree. And plus, he has the weapons of like Adam Thielen, DJ Chark, Miles Sanders, Chuba Hubbard, um, and I believe um, Terrence Marshall, 
do I need Jonathan Mingo? Do I need to explain anymore? And the defense and the offensive line is going to hold down the fort for him. I mean, you can't go wrong with that. And this is really hard for me. My bust has to be it will I it have to be between the Falcons and the Bucks. And I could say the Falcons because Desmond Ritter, I have no clue what they're gonna work with him because if if he's even or or maybe Tyler Algier because he's gonna get less rushes, less um less available rushing yards from um he he will have like less attempts due to the presence of Bijan Robinson. But I also have to go, but I'm going to be leaning more to the entire Bucks QB room. Kyle Trask, Bayford Mayfield, and John Wolford does not spell success for me. I do not know who their offensive coordinator is going to be and i don't know if they're going to be focused i think they're going, they're going to stick to play a little bit more conservative by keeping um by keeping the run game they're going to run leonard fournette they're, they're going to be running more of leonard fournette and rashad white and of course i could see mac i i would see mike evans asking for a trade i don't blame him in that case but and unfortunately, Baker Mayfield has regressed since that star year in Cleveland. And although he did have some sparks in within the LA Rams when he got traded midway with the um from the Panthers. Um, and Kyle Trask, I don't know how he's going to be. I don't know what um I know he was selected in the second or third rounds in last last year's draft. And we haven't I have not seen him play. I have to see how the offseason looks into, but Overall, this Bucks QB room is an entire bust. So the Bucks will go from Bucks to bust. Alrighty, wonderful analysis from you on the Falcons and the Panthers, and uh, a great selection of boom and bust players. So same to you, same to you with the Saints and the Bucks, and your you. boom and bust players for Derek Carr and Mike Evans, respectively. Mm-hmm. Thank you. All right, so that concludes the episode for today. Uh, if you guys have any questions, Lee, uh, hit us up on nflmasala at gmail.com, spelled as nflmasala at gmail.com, or leave us a review on one of the four platforms that we host this podcast on, Apple, Google, Spotify, and Pocket Cast. Or, Rakshak, what can they do? They can also follow us on Instagram, and that is all lowercase, nflmasala2022. That is all uh, lowercase N F L M A S A L A two zero two two. Alrighty, now we're gonna hit you with our signature outro. Go pack, go, and fly, Eagles fly. Take care and have a nice day.